You know, I just wish I could be back with you guys. Uh, personally, just wasting my time out here is what it feels like. I want to be back with the boys recording podcasts in the home base. It's just not the same out here. Pumping content, doing pods with the boys. That's what it's about. It's where you belong. I know, I know. So I, I, I don't love it but out seriously, here. Seriously, Aaron, you should probably pay attention in school and focus on school. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, I just feel like I could like maybe like just go to the NBA and 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 not have to worry about school too. What about that? Nah, bro, that ain't it. That ain't it for you. Don't worry about it. It's okay though. All right, all right. Do you, <laughs> do you just want a pod now? Yeah, let's do it. Well, it's the first time we've all been together here for a couple of weeks. Of course, with uh, you know Ryan and I having a couple of conflicts, but we've got the crew back together. And boys, with that being said, all of a sudden that championship talk is being thrown around, uh, discussing Pistons basketball. I want everybody here before we get into this to take a listen to some recent audio uh, from Derek Rose and what he thinks the potential of this Pistons team for this season is. While I'm in a game, I like I want to win a championship. That's what I really want to do. Like um, I did, I got all the accolades that I wanted. Now it's time for me to really get the one that that I really, really won. Like I won on every level except for this level. So um, after I get this, after on this championship, you never know. But um, with Detroit, I feel like we have a um, a great chance. With being in the East, we have uh, two great bigs, a, a great team. You never know. And that audio coming to us from Sirius XM NBA Radio. Uh, so we thank them for that soundbite. But boys, Derek Rose talking about uh, a little possible uh, championship run for the Pistons, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, hey, I- I've been really tough on Derek Rose, and you know, I- I've been yeah, very, criti- I've been very critical of the signing. But you know, I do kind of enjoy that that kind of hoopla, that kind of talk. Not that it's in the realm of a possibility, but I, I-, I still think it's fun just to kind of hear a guy on the team, you know, talk like that. Uh, and there's just that, that feeling around Derrick Rose where it's just like, you know it's not possible, but it's just like, what if Derrick Rose really, really, really bounced back? Like, what if he was just fully healthy and just got that, like, one season where he was just a killer? And it just makes you, it makes you, like, just kind of dream about it for a second. That is a huge what if, my guy. Oh, That's I'm so big. Oh, I'm not I, saying. I, I know you're. I know you're just talking. I know it's yeah. just conjecture, but my goodness, that those are pie in the sky dreams. Yeah. That would be the greatest thing that's ever happened to Detroit basketball, pretty much. If that happened, if he came back to that hey, level. And dude, what about this talk from the most critical guy about the Demo signing? He is just eating it. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, you know that 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 fan talk 
yeah, I just kind of enjoyed that little bit there. Just a little 30-second audio clip just to rile up the rile up the fan base, draw that hope, draw those aspirations. It just makes you it makes you think for a minute. And and not that it's possible, not that there's, you know, a one even 1% chance of it happening, but just hearing a guy and you know, this is the same player that said the Knicks well, I had like a super team when it was like him and uh, I don't even know who else was on the roster. I, I, I mean, Kristaps was probably in like his first or second year. Carmelo was on the back end of his time with the Knicks, I believe. Something of uh, of that sorts. And, you know, he was calling them a super team as good as the Golden State Warriors in a season where I'm pretty sure Golden State won the chip. So, you know, take that with a special grain of salt considering who it's coming from. But, hey, I mean, I'm all for that kind of talk. He's not wrong that they got two great big men in, in, in Blake and Andre. He's not wrong that they play in the East, but uh, they don't have a great team. I, I just, I don't know, that kind of talk, it, it riles up the fan base. And in a time in the offseason where there's not that much to talk about, I enjoy stuff like that. Hey, let us pause this pod right now so Ryan and I can go get a glass of wine and toast. Because this is this is a huge moment in the history of the Palace of Pistons podcast right now. This is huge. Like we come back, Ryan, and we we have two weeks of the crew, you know, not being fully together. We come back. What the heck has happened? Like, what has changed with this guy? What's going on? He's dying for Pistons basketball. That's what's happening. Well, that is that's very true. I mean, you're an addict. No, and but the thing is, I've, I, oh, you're not a Pistons basketball addict. Is that what you just confirmed? I was, I, and I've said this multiple <laughs> times, but I, I, I'm not saying I want Derrick Rose to like not succeed in Detroit, and I, I'm not saying I want him to be a failure here. I'm just saying that I have the most tempered expectations for him compared to, you know, the people that when the signing was was coming to terms, there was people parading like, like the Pistons just signed. MVP Derrick Rose, you know, it's just not the same player. You know, there's people saying that he's going to start over Reggie Jackson, and that's not going to happen. There's people saying that, you know, he's going to be an All Star. That's not going to happen. So, uh, you know, I guess maybe uh, even if it was a bit too of an extreme, I was critical of Rose in that sense. But you know, at the end of the day, he's still a good player. He's still going to help them. He's just not as good as what, uh, whether it's a, a vocal minority or the vocal majority are, are, are saying. But for real, when is the last time a Pistons player mentioned a championship ever? And like was serious. And was serious. And you know he means that, just like in the he way he's saying it. He means it. He's not playing around. He's not BSing anyone. He means what he says. Like, I would be so happy to eat my words if Derrick Rose just has a killer season. Like you got like people think I'm just like hating on him, and that's just not the case. I'd be more than happy to like just get trolled the hell out of if Derrick Rose is coming out and scoring the ball efficiently and stays healthy and really produces and provides value to the roster and to the team. But you know, let us pause again so I can pour another glass of wine. <laughs> deleting that charge of trolling you when Derrick Rose has that season, dude. If he does, hey, I mean. I listen. I'll be the first one to admit that I was wrong, and I'll be happy to do so. Aren't you seeing the workout videos? Of course, he's gonna put up crazy numbers, man. <laughs> Dude, him and Thon, Thon's workout him videos. Him and Thon, man. I'll tell you what, Thon Maker's workout videos are crazy. Like I, 
just the the video editing that goes into that kind of stuff where it's like they show you all the like top plays i just wonder how many like times stan like dropped the basketball doing those same drills and like how many times it took them to get the right clip yeah it's uh that's that's valid not uh that's a very valid point uh but overall just kind of to i guess wheel us back into the original topic here derrick rose talking about a championship aaron's all for it ryan I'm sure you're all for it too, but what beyond just being like, oh yeah, I'm all about that fan talk. What was a little more of your initial reaction to hearing that? Well, I mean, honestly, at first it made me laugh, not because he's not serious and because I don't like respect his game or anything, but it's just this team's not in a position to win. If we're just being very real, win a championship, I think they can win a playoff series, maybe, but they're not in contention to win a championship. So it kind of made me chuckle at first. But then the fan in you kind of turns on, like Aaron said, and you're like, let's go! I love it. That's my dude. D-Rose all the way. Pistons basketball. And you're just going crazy in your own mind. That's kind of the thought process and the emotion that happens during something like that. And then you catch yourself about five minutes later going back, circling back to the beginning where you're like, all right, that was fun being a fanboy for those five minutes. But, yeah, uh, back to reality. Back to reality. Yeah, I, that's, I think, the most accurate way to describe it. It's You listen to that and you go, <laughs> all right, whatever. And then you think about it you're like, I mean, dang, think about it. All right, Luke and, and Andre, if Dre, I mean, Dre's in a contract here because he says he's going to be free agent next year. And, I mean, you got Blake, and Blake's got a couple years left. All you of a sudden, just, you got D-Rolls. You just start putting, oh my God. putting together hey, all those hypotheticals. Like, oh, this team would have been studly. You, you just start putting together all those hypotheticals, and it's just like, well, what if Luke makes the jump? And what if D. Rose is healthy for a full season? And what if Andre adds that three-point shot he's been talking about? And and Blake's going to have the same year he had last year. And you just like... Pencil in an NBA title. Right, that's Pencil what I'm in. saying. You Don't know? even play the season. You see, you see, Pistons are winning it all. You know, we're talking about workout videos. Clip, Pistons win a title. You're talking about workout videos. I mean, have we seen the Tony Snell workout videos? This dude looks like he could. Le- he's gonna average like 25 a night with the way he's shooting in these clips. So I, you know, the fan and you just kind of looks at it and you you put together that scenario where it's like if all these things go right, well, then the Pistons are gonna win the championship. Uh, so it's just that kind of that kind of fun thing that. It, it, in the middle, well, we're not even in the middle of August anymore. We're at the beginning of September, so like you're just still in that driest part of the NBA offseason. That's just something that like it gives you something to work with until meaningful basketball news and gameplay arrives. Yeah, it gives you something to work with until your team starts the season eight and twenty. Yeah, and then you gotta reel it all back. Reggie gets hurt in training camp. Yeah, that that's you're, you're right. You know. Something, I guess, that maybe gives you, uh, I don't know, a little bit to work with, something of a bit of excitement. Uh, you know, James Edwards of The Athletic sat down with Luke Kennard, and Luke talked about how this offseason he has spent maybe the most time of his basketball playing career dissecting his game, game film, practice film, footwork, uh, looking at his shot rotation. I mean, just the little things, the minor details that make all the difference. He sat down, he's dissected his game, and... Uh, you know, to me, that sounds like a, step, a stepping stone. 
hopefully the dissection has led to a change in a workout regimen just with adjustments to improve and enhance on what he's doing, which I'm sure it has. Um, but for Luke to sit down and really just study his game and his uh, his footwork and where he needs to be, what he's doing, and where he can get better at, that should uh, it should be a good sign for Luke going forward uh, here into training camp soon in the regular season, Aaron. The last time James Edwards wrote about a Detroit Piston in the offseason, about their offseason, that said player had a career year, and that was Blake Griffin. So uh, James is setting high expectations once again for a very important piece to the Pistons roster. And and as always, you know you have to give a shout-out to, to James Edwards, just an absolutely incredible writer, uh, always just puts words together so well. And, and it's the same kind of story here with Luke. I mean, even with it being more of you know Luke kind of leading the story with quotes, it's it's just fun to fun to hear that kind of stuff. And, and you look at the things that Luke's ta- Luke talked about, and you look at kind of the growth that you're hoping for from a guy like Kennard and what he can bring to the table. And you know what he's saying is what you want to hear, and you kind of got to hope that's the case. And you know, also to tie it back to Blake, we talked about Blake's offseason, you know, when James wrote about it last year, and a lot of stuff that Blake was doing was not so much of, oh, I'm taking 700 threes a, a, a workout or whatever. It's studying the game from more of a, a mental aspect and breaking it down, not just go out and do said drill. And, and it's kind of like, it sounds like Canard's taking that same approach and, and that kind of mentality and that kind of offseason worked so well for one of the league's top top players, you would think that it's also going to bode well for one of the league's best young players. So, um, it, you know, this is a big offseason for Kennard. I, I don't think anyone's going to deny that, and I think the Pistons need him really to showcase now more than ever what kind of player he's going to be. You know, how much does he raise their ceiling? How good is his ceiling, and how good is he going to be next year? Isn't Next season, kind of the definitive year for Luke Kennard. Aren't we going to kind of determine next year if, oh, well, he's a good player off the bench. He's a really good shooter, you know, fine on offense, but doesn't really do all that much, and he's not a high-volume player. Or is Kennard going to really take that step and be able to mesh with the other key players on the Pistons and become more of an NBA player where he's shooting and scoring from inside and passing and just fitting into the offense, and I think last year, you know, we talked about Kennard not being able to fit with Detroit's key guys and Reggie and Blake and Andre on the court together, and we've talked about it this offseason. If Kennard's going to have a future with this team and with this core, then he's got to be able to mesh with those guys. He's got to be able to produce and share the court with those guys. So, you know, how does this offseason impact that? And I, I think that's something that you have to really look at going forward because that's extremely important if you ask me if you're a fan this is the conjecture you should be excited over these comments from Luke Kennard now I mean of course we have to take the wait and see approach we have to see it to believe it see how it has improved his game but like you were saying Aaron this is the year we're expecting Kennard to take that step that next big step in his career to prove he can perform with the starters Perform with the bench can put up, you know, 18 to 20 a game in the league. 15 to 20. Let's not put 18 to 20 on him just yet. He's only a third-year guy. But 15 to 20, he can be a solid playmaker and shooter. 
you know, and like I said, this is a conjecture you want to hear, that he's really breaking his game down. He's taking it very seriously. He's watching all the film, not just game film, but what he's doing in practice. Because if he's not doing it right in practice, he can fix it then. So it's just, this is the stuff you want to hear. This is the stuff that really excites me. Because I do expect Kennard to take that jump. I do expect him to fit in with the crew of Reggie and Dre and Blake. And let's say it's Tony Snell in the starting lineup, if that lineup's ever out there together, which it will be. I expect him to fit in, and I expect it to work. So when a guy is really studying his game and really scientifically attacking it like Blake did, which seems like what Luke's doing, I, you can't help but be excited about it. You can't help but be like, all right, I really want to see this. I really want to see how this meshes, how this works. Well, and Ryan, I think you make a really good point there. You know, Derek Rose is going to come out. He's going to make a comment like that because, well, let's be honest here, right? Derek Rose is new in town. He knows he's got a nice fan base, but he's really just trying to win over the fans. He's trying to get people in that arena. He's trying to build some hype, sell that hope, if you will. When you hear these comments about Luke Kennard, this is real, though. I mean, not saying that what Derrick Rose is saying isn't real, because he might believe that. But what Luke's doing, that's real. That's happened. That's happening. And to see a guy that, again, he, he needs to take that step. He needs to fit in with those guys. Aaron's right when he says, this is the year we find out who Luke Kennard is. You can't, I don't know if you can go to year four and five and be like, yeah. I think you can go to year four as long as there's a medium step this year. I mean, if he barely made any progress, then it would be like, all right, never mind. But I do agree. I agree that year three is a big year. Absolutely. But I think you're allowed to have, in my opinion, you're allowed to have the fourth year. Well, okay, but where we'll meet in the where we'll agree is though he still has to take a step, Agreed. And, a, and a good step, a significant a step. step. You know, if it's not the leap, it has to be a step. And uh, if Luke's able to do that, well, then yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see how he fits in. But these comments, I think, are more exciting, and because they're just more real and happening than you know the Derrick Rose saying well, he believes this could be a championship team. Yeah, I, I, I think you still have to see a, a good chunk of improvement this year. You know, you go into year four, you're, you're kind of walking into that Stanley Johnson scenario, and I, I think Kennard's going to take a step. I don't know how big it's going to be. Johnson was always just, uh, well, at some point in the season, he showed flashes. So if this is a kind of year for Kennard where it's a lot of showing flashes and it's not a... Um, you know, big year for him, or he's just consistently a, a better player, then it's kind of worrisome. Uh, you know, I, and I think the Pistons are going to have to be wary of that, given their their track record uh, of guys taken in the Stan Van Gundy era, era and their lack of development over time. But this is also a group that uh, this coaching staff has been heralded for their ability to uh, develop players. And, and, and so you're going to want to see how, how that comes together as well. I agree. I very much agree, but I think Luke Kennard is ahead of where Stanley Johnson was at this point. So it's hard for me to compare the two because with, I agree with that. With Stanley, it was always just minimal flashes and then looking lost on the court like he absolutely didn't belong. With Luke, it's more than just a flash in the pan and then he looks lost. This is a guy that 
already has pretty much proven he does belong. Not full, not I'm not talking at that highest level, but he's proven he can be a consistent rotational player and produce for you. Put up some stats, mm-hmm. get the team, help the team get some wins. But it is imperative he does take a bigger step. Agreed. I I just feel that Luke has been a little bit inconsistent throughout his career. And that's kind of my big thing is, is he going to be more consistent? Because, you know, even last year, we know what happened during his rookie season, but even last year there was times where he just didn't have an impact in the game and mentally took himself out of that game because of set issues where, you know, whether he missed his first couple shots or, you know, made a bad defensive rotation, whatever it was, and it kind of just took him out for that game. So that's kind of like something that I – that's something that he has to improve on to where uh, that was kind of the same issue with Stanley at times. Uh, you You're know, right. if he was missing shots, he was not going to be much of a factor on at least the offensive side. But we last year was pretty much Luke Kennard's rookie season. His rookie year, he barely played at all. So he was learning how to do things in his second year. It was pretty much his rookie year on the court. He was learning how to handle adversity how to, when you're not the man like he was at Duke, you know, he's not, because he wasn't playing on the court his rookie year, like, at all. So when you're not the main full focus point of everything on the team, and he was learning how to handle all that in the NBA. That was his real first season on the court. That's why it's, for me, it's not, like, super make or break this year. Does a good, considerable step need to be made? Yes. But I can't compare it to Stanley when Stanley was getting minutes his rookie year and did nothing but regress. And if you look at that role that I think he needs to take, or the step he needs to take, he needs to figure out what his role is, and he just needs to solidify himself in that role. Now, if he's going to be the scorer off the bench, then be the scorer off the bench. If he's going to be in that starting unit and his job's going to be stretch the floor, uh, a drive to the cup, and then create driving lanes with your outside shooting threat uh, for Blake and whatnot, then that's your role. But wherever he gets placed by Dwayne Casey, the step I need to see, at least I think he needs to take this year, is he just needs to establish himself in the role he's given. I agree, yeah. Because I do think you're right, Aaron, that last year he had times of inconsistency, and that's a problem. But your point is still correct that, He's farther along than Stanley was. Stanley was always lost. I don't think Luke was ever lost. I think Luke is just—he's still in that learning phase. Where Stanley was like, "Gosh, you see so much out of him defensively, but offensively, there's just nothing." With Luke, I think we saw him last year get better on the offensive end as well as make improvements on the defensive end, which is why I think he's in a better spot than Stanley but still with the inconsistencies and an unsolidified, established role, he needs to find a way to set himself wherever he's going to be and solidify it. Look, it's a successful season for him if he solidifies himself. That's the concern. Can he consistently establish himself in his role, and can he consistently produce in that role? That's, That's the concern, and that's where if he's not able to do that, I'm kind of a little bit concerned. It's not a, well, okay, it's a wash, get rid of him, he's a bust, whatever. I'm just, well, maybe I need to temper my expectations on what he really is going to be. But, you know, I, I that is, I, I think, Brennan, you really hit it on the head, which it, it concerns me that I have to give you credit for being right about something. But 
it's about establishing himself in whatever role he is. Like you said, whether he's the go-to guy off the bench alongside Derrick Rose, or he's filling in at the shooting guard spot as a starter, and he's shooting from outside, scoring, helping penetrate and kick out, just being in the offense, helping move the basketball, and then score when asked to. Uh, he needs to be able to figure out which, where he's going to thrive at. The team needs to be able to figure out where he's going to thrive at and let him flourish in that role, and he needs to flourish in that role. And if he doesn't, then you have to kind of temper your expectations and maybe take a step back. That's just how I feel in the situation. When I think back on the playoff series against the Bucks. I think about how Luke Kennard was pretty much the best player in that series outside Blake's two games. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of his confidence is going to come from, and that's what he's building off of. I feel like he really put himself out there in that series as, hey, next year I'm coming. I do agree with that. I'm ready. I think that's why you're seeing this intense and this hardcore of an offseason breakdown of his game. I think he knows he's capable of taking that next step and being that type of player, and he will do everything in his power to make sure he achieves that. Because I think he's a pretty confident guy right now. If Luke's coming out and playing like he did in the playoffs, maybe he's not posting you know, the, the, the 20 points a game because Blake's going to be on the floor and, and, and everything everyone's going to be healthy, at least at the beginning of the season. But if he's coming out with that style of play where he's confident and he's letting it fly when he has the opportunity then that's that's really all you can ask for. That's what you want to see from him. So uh, that, you know, I think a lot of good points have been made in this conversation. I, I mean, really, everything that I think each one of us has said is is all true in its own way. You know, you need to see Kennard establish himself, but maybe we've already seen that he's established himself after his performance in the playoffs where in his first time in the postseason, he just was the Pistons' best player on the floor when Blake was out. You know, another thing, just to kind of wrap up conversation there from that Luke Kennard piece, you know, I guess Luke and talked to Aaron something about one of that Cha- Chauncey Billups jersey and was able to, I, I don't remember, was able to get one. He also talked about liking and enjoying Clay Thompson's game, which, hey, if Luke can model himself after Clay Thompson, then, uh, hey, we're, he's going to be just okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't he, wouldn't he ever be just okay? Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, he cried over getting a Chauncey Billups jersey. That was his first NBA jersey, and it was uh, obviously a Detroit Pistons Chauncey Billups jersey. So just you know, one of those fun tidbits from the stories that, hey, that's more that fanfare kind of talk. Um, but it overall really good piece, and it, it you know it just talks about a guy that the Pistons have big plans for, have big hopes for, and and they really need him to hit hit that next step this upcoming season. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, hey, another guy that may be able to help the Pistons take another big step. And why didn't we talk about him in a potential lineup with Luke Kennard? Joe Johnson, after his big three to win the big three, has cashed in a workout with the Detroit Pistons. And I'll tell you what, Aaron, you've made it vocal on Twitter. You're excited about that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan of Joe Johnson. I, I just... It, for, for me, and I tweeted this, the thing Aaron's with Joe... Aaron's living in a pastime today. He's talking about Derrick Rose. He had to bring up me, Stanley. You give me Joe Johnson 10, 12 years ago? Oh, I'm juiced. <laughs> I'm juiced. You give me Joe Johnson now? I don't know. 
I just don't know. He's 38. Did you see the big three performance, though? Did you see the big three? Are the big three uh, also a bunch of guys who are 40 and 50 hey. and very late 30s? He hit, he hit the big shot. Hey, just I wanted Joe Johnson on the Pistons when I was younger forever. Literally 8, 10, 12, 14 years ago. Joe, that's so long ago in NBA terms. My goodness. Yeah, that's, Joe, that's a career ago. That's a career ago. Joe Johnson was the man. I love Joe Johnson. Iso Joe, he was the man. Now at 38, I mean... Uh, <laughs> so the way I look at it, I look at the, the 15th spot on the Pistons roster, and it's between Michael Beasley and Christian Wood. And I like Christian Wood. I think he deserves a spot. But at the same time, I don't know how much I trust the Pistons to give him the spot over Beasley. Uh, so in reality, when I think if I'd rather have Joe Johnson or Michael Beasley on the roster, I lean towards Joe Johnson. And, and, and maybe I'm wrong to think that, but I don't know. To me, and I tweeted this, he's different than a, than a Jose Calderon or a Zaza Pachulia because... Kyle Rowan's a point guard. You know, he's got to lead the offense. He's got to initiate it. He's got to be the floor general. And Pachulia, especially in the way the Pistons played defensively, you know, in their schemes, he had to be the anchor of the defense. Just like Drummond was when he was on the floor, Pachulia had to anchor the defense, and he couldn't do that. Johnson's a guy that is literally the 15th man on the roster, would, would probably play over who? I mean, I don't know if he would... You know, get in really over anyone besides maybe Kyrie. Uh, I mean, on the wing at least. So, Johnson's just a guy that can score the basketball. And I think, you know, that's his one NBA attribute right now at this point in his career. And we talked about the Pistons bench not having a lot of great scoring options. So, I mean, I'd be okay with, with taking a... a a gamble on Joe Johnson, seeing what's there. At least let him come to camp and compete. Here's here's the point I'll make. I still very strongly value veteran presence in the locker room. And Joe Johnson as the 15th roster spot gives you a guy that shouldn't kill you if he gets on the floor, but at the same time, he has been in you know, cultures of winning and competing for championships. And a guy that I think, maybe from a mental standpoint, could really help Luke Kennard. If what he, does it hurt for a year? If Jose Calderon could play, not only be on your roster, but play a significant amount of time on your team, then you can. Then Joe Johnson can be on your team. If Zaza Pachulia can be on your roster, then Joe Johnson can be on your roster. I mean, seriously. Jose Calderon had no business being on the court last year. No disrespect to him, but he just got to that point in his career. And because of the Pistons' injuries at the point guard spot, he ended up playing a considerable amount of time. So don't tell me that Joe Johnson couldn't take up that roster spot and be provide more value than what Calderon did. So yes or no, you want the Pistons to sign Joe Johnson? I want the Pistons to sign Joe Johnson to a training camp deal. Let him come in and compete in training camp. See where he's at athletically. See if he can still run with NBA-level athletes. And then make your decision from there. Now, I know Detroit, I'm pretty sure that they 
don't have a training camp invite left. I think their roster's at 20 right now. So I think they would have to cut someone. So that's where it gets a little dicey. Again, Cutsy, screw it. <laughs> I'm out on <laughs> I'm out on Michael Beasley. I, I don't have any interest on him on, with him being on the roster. I just don't know why he provides value to this team, especially with the way it's constructed. Um, but I I don't know for sure if the Pistons are twenty. But I would I would say let him come to camp and compete, see where he's at physically, and go from there. And if he deserves to be on the roster and he can handle it then I would put him on the roster. Let's say him and Christian Wood are neck and neck. You only can pick one. It's like, hey, Christian looked okay, but Joe was a decent shape. You had to pick one, because I know you're out on Beasley, but you only could pick one of Christian Wood and Joe Johnson. And they're like both, they're, they're, it's like Christian Wood, he's maybe in good athletic shape, but you don't know for sure what you're going to get out of him. Joe Johnson, well, he looks okay for 38, and he'd be good enough to play on the roster. What do you think? Give me the caveat of the Pistons being willing to make, make like let me know that the Pistons will play Christian Wood at center, which I think they would. Ha, <laughs> get it? Christian Wood would play center, but um, give me that, and I would I would have to take Christian Wood just depth wise on the roster. Just you know, and that's tough because I do like Joe Johnson, and I think it'd just be fun to see him suit up in the NBA again. It's a guy I've always wanted on the Pistons, just like Ryan, just. Iso Joe, it's a bucket getter. Um, but I'd have to lean towards Christian Wood just because depth-wise the Pistons really do need another center because I'm not sold on Thon Maker being able to handle that kind of a role. I mean, honestly, I'm right there with you on all aspects of this. Uh, I, if they can, I'd invite Joe to training camp just to see what he's got in the tank, see what's left. Um, but honestly, Christian Wood is an ascending player. He's a young player with potential still. He still has he's not even close to his peak yet. I'm I'm excited to see what's there with that guy. In terms where's Joe Johnson, sure. I mean he put up big three numbers that were nice and he won the big three and but he's thirty eight and maybe he can still run in the NBA a little bit, but he he's descending. Yeah. He's just, it's just not I think if he, he would be in the NBA right now if he was still just Real, you know, real solid, real good. I'm not talking some starter, but he wouldn't have been in the big three. He wouldn't have not played like He would have been in the league. Yeah. That's kind of how I view it. 100%. And the thing is, Christian Wood has that upside to where Aaron and I kind of agree with your caveat. Hey, if the Pistons are willing to play Christian Wood at that center spot and let him compete with Thon for the backup center spot, then it's 100% hey, Christian Wood. If they're going to bury him and they're not going to utilize him, then I would consider Joe, but to be honest, an injury's going to happen. You don't have a lot of depth at the center spot. If Dre or Thon go down, you don't have a true backup center. I mean, Blake's going to then have to slide to play minutes at the five, and they got, what, Markeith Morris playing at the five? You don't have another true center. You'd be you'd be in a bad spot. So I think you got to go Christian Wood. Yeah, and in kind of a what-if scenario here, what happens if the Pistons... Take Joe Johnson, cut Christian Wood, cut Michael Beasley. I mean, looking at the Pistons rotation, what is your big man rotation? Is it Markeith and Thon? Is Seku in there somewhere now? Is Seku the backup four now? Because you have to have Morris as your backup five at times with you know Thon not being big enough strength-wise to bang with 
uh, other centers down low. I mean, that rotation right now I think is kind of in flux considering Wood not a, is, is a guy not guaranteed to be on the roster. That's a good point. Well, we get closer and closer to training camp, and I guess these are the questions that uh, you know we're going to have to ask, and we're going to find out. You know, we'll see if Joe Johnson gets that training camp invite. We'll see what the Pistons decide to do. But, you know, right now, I think we're on the same page. Christian Wood's the guy with the upside. He's the guy with the potential. And based off of what the Pistons roster looks like, appears to be the guy that he needs to take that 15th spot just purely on depth. Yeah. If anything else. It's, it's, it, the fit alone, it, it, it's Wood's spot to lose because – Detroit has enough on the wing. They have Luke and Bruce and Kyrie and and Svi and Tony Snell. Seku can play the three. There's seven guys just off the top of my head that can play the two or three. Um, so they got they got enough depth there, and it, it just makes yeah. You need a center. You need a center. Beasley's a four. You don't need another four when you have Blake and Markeith Morris and Seku. You need a five, and Christian Wood can play the five, so he should, unless he goes into training camp and has looks like he has no business being out there, he should take that roster spot. For sure. Well, boys, it's good to be back together this week. I mean, obviously, Aaron, you know, we're on Skype here, so Aaron from afar, but to have the crew back on the pod all together, it was nice this week, boys. Good to have everybody back. Yeah, I mean... I, I enjoyed it. I thought we had some good conversation. We didn't go at each other's necks this week. Yeah. Um, I thought a lot of good points were made this podcast. I thought this was for the off season that that's we've had, and especially with a lot of not a lot of little really no news to talk about recently. I thought we had great topics, and I, I and I had a good time discussing them this week. Yeah, I mean, I was just happy to be back, boys. Just happy to be participating. Yes. And I'll tell you, Aaron, to, to top your point, when Michael Beasley signs with Detroit and is an 18-minute topic on the podcast, that tells you where we're at in the offseason. We need some excitement back here in Detroit, and we need that Pistons basketball to get going again. It's time. But until then, we appreciate everybody sticking with us here throughout the offseason, tuning in this week for yet another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Be sure to... Tell your friends, like, rate, review, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at Palace of Pistons. We got our Facebook page. We're on Instagram at Palace Pistons. On Twitter, you got Aaron at A. Johnson NBA, Ryan at uh, Ryan Pay, and myself at Media Brendan. So be sure, give us a follow. Check out the YouTube page. Like, rate, review, subscribe to the pod, whatever platform you're on itunes soundcloud podbean stitcher you know the deal you know it goes so we appreciate the support we appreciate you listening and we'll see you next time for another edition of the palace of christmas podcast